Hey guys, welcome back. It's Brandon again with the Megawatt Hour. Thank you so much for listening. This episode is an interesting one. We're actually talking again with Tom, our favorite uh, sales manager here at GenRenew. Um, and we're talking about the utilities this time. Um, understanding your utility bill, the basics of that, what you're paying, why you're paying it, and essentially how the utilities fit into how we get power, the grid system, and how that interacts with getting solar as well. Um, so it's kind of a good background if you want to understand the utility side and how they're involved with the whole process. Check it out. All right, well, we're, we're back. We're back at it again. Thank you again for coming in, Tom. I appreciate it. Hello, world. <laughs> the long trek of like three feet across. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, like my legs are getting tired. Yeah, yeah. I just stubbed my toe, so I'm kind of sitting here in pain as we do this podcast, but I think we'll be all right. So we'll bring somebody off of the bench. Yeah, yep. Um, so today we're kind of talking about the utilities and how they're set up, and also the utility bill as well, like how to read that. What are we even looking at when we look at a utility bill? Um, a lot of what we do with solar is based around the utilities themselves. They have a lot of control in the solar process and how things go. Um, so I kind of just wanted to dive into that and dive into the details of the utility and the background behind that all. Um, sure. Yeah. So the first thing to always keep in mind is the utility is a self-regulatory um, entity. They make the rules. They call the shots, right? Um, just not only with uh, how they run their business, what they're going to be charging, their customers, but also when someone makes uh, a choice to go solar, they can dictate, and they do, system size, uh, and just when that system gets flipped on. Um, so they are the end-all and be-all, which um, obviously kind of goes against everything that uh, we do as a consumer. We live in a free market society. If somebody wants to go to Home Depot to buy a hammer, they can go to Home Depot. If they want to get that same hammer and it's a little bit of a better price, better experience at a Lowe's, they have the option right. to do that. Or, or Bob's construction store down the road. Like They can go to multiple different places. Wherever they want. Yeah. Um, but so whenever I speak to a uh, just homeowner, I ask them a few loaded questions. First one being, how did you choose to buy your electricity from the utility? And then I get a look like, well, obviously I didn't. That's the point. Do you know what your bill is going to be next year? And I get that same look. The best answer somebody can give is it's going to be higher. So um, when it comes to just options, there really wasn't much. There wasn't any until you know we had this explosion of solar especially here in new jersey right right and it's it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around that at first because a lot of utilities if not i don't know if all of them are but most of them are for-profit businesses so they're not just doing this for free this is not like a a public governmental ran thing this is this is for money exactly and so they are guaranteed to stay in business and it's a pretty nice business when you can kind of run roughshod and take any of the overhead costs that you might have, so unexpected or ones that you can foresee, and simply roll those costs down to the consumer. What's another business that can really do that without the threat of losing customers? really nothing right right we're just um, so dependent on it it's even though you know there's there may be like one or two options if you go with like a third party provider you're really stuck to a few companies and that's it as a consumer of course and you know um with the with like the deregulation of um that third party supplier that happened in new jersey i'd say a little less than a decade ago that did change things, but that's only, and I think something uh, like that we'll get into, that only is going to really benefit someone for a very short period and fractionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and customers are kind of stuck because like you said, they don't know 
necessarily what they're always going to pay. Even the rates are changing. They, they change during the night and things like that. And you never really know what you're going to pay, um, which is an issue because people want that peace of mind. Right. Um, like if they can take some variables off of the table, that's never a bad thing. And um, that's kind of when we have our uh, consultants go into a home and they get to the part where they want to just review the bill. The first thing that you see from their side is like a look on their face like, oh, fun. I'm going to learn about the utility bill. Right. Because uh, most, most people never look at their bill aside from the voucher that's on the bottom that says how much they owe. They look at it. They smack their head against a wall and they write a check or they go online and they pay it. That's about it, right? Right. But as you, you know, just dig a little deeper into it, um, you start to scratch your head and say, how is this, how is this even still a, a functioning way that we buy our electricity? And it is because that's the way that it's always been. That's right. really the best answer. And, and that's the thing. It's like the grid has been set up for a while. You know, in some cases, it's a lot of cases, it's old and outdated and it needs to be upgraded and things like that. But people don't think twice about it because it's already set up. Yeah, um, it's been there. And as you touched on, it's very old. The thing that I'll always try to bring to light is if you just look at a picture of a telephone from the 1940s, things look drastically just different than the way a phone looks now and it does drastically just different things if you look at a photograph of the grid system from the 1940s you'll just pretty much see the same exact wooden pole black saggy wires going from pole to pole that right is, is just seen now right and and you know today things have kind of changed a little bit with more solar and kind of wind starting to become a thing with renewables but a large part of it is still just like natural gas and coal across the country. Sure. And, and that's obviously affecting people and climate change. And it's a problem. And, and in addition to that, there's also things like weather. And, you know, as climate change gets worse, you get these giant crazy storms that, you know, throughout the whole year that destroy the grid. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a, a huge thing with, you know, people losing their power wanting battery backup and, you know, that resiliency to combat those kinds of things as we move into the future. But that's just a huge part of the grid itself is like these power outages that just keep happening and seemingly getting worse. Right. And so that's just because it's, it uh, just hasn't changed since they first installed the grid, say. Because during those same storms, do you ever lose gas natural gas no not really no because those lines are underground because they were installed at a much later date right the whole reason why the grid goes out is because it's exposed to the elements you know and so um like when you go out west they don't lose their power because of storm issues because everything is underground because everything is newer out there they like will go through just power outages for a whole, you know, just different set of uh, just reasons, but um, not because of storms, forest fires, For, yeah, of yeah. course, <laughs> another climate change thing, shortages in general. Yep, yep. You know, speaking of these storms, you have something like Sandy, which was a game changer over here in the East Coast. We you know with the utility and people starting to go solar and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe that storm or others and how that's impacted people and their decisions with the grid? Yeah, so uh, Sandy happened how long ago, Brandon? I mean, 2013. 2013? Or in 2012, I think. It seems like it was, I mean, yeah, I'm getting old, but it, it, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Um, by far the worst storm that I've experienced, and if I'm not wrong, the worst storm Jersey's experienced for 100 years. I lost power. I live a couple blocks away from the beach. I lost power for close to a month and it was not a pleasurable experience whatsoever right. um i don't think i ever got over the uh, just reflex of 
going into the bathroom and just flicking on the light. I think even by week number three, I was still doing that, but obviously it, it just didn't help anything. Um, the one thing that really stood out was I saw trucks from all over the country. I saw trucks from Georgia, um, South Carolina, um, other states. And so I was wondering, wow, they must be severely understaffed to handle this. And that's exactly what it was. The second thing that really stood out was I saw the same truck, the same crew outside of my house from South Carolina for about two weeks. And when the power's out, you got really nothing better to do than to stare out your front window. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I did. (laughs) And I saw that they would come, they would sit, and that was pretty much it. So after a week and a half of really just seeing this, I went out there and I go, hey, guys, you know, just no offense, but you've been coming here for about a week and a half at this point. Um, what is going on? And one of the guys said to me, it's not a question of we don't want to get you back up. It's a matter of we have no idea what we're looking at because the grid is so outdated. Wow. We don't know Even their own what workers just didn't know how to handle the situation. No, so, this, so these were guys from out of state. So down there... They had an updated grid. They had just newer technology. They had to wait for someone from JCP now to come out and just show them the right way on how to get get our transformer or just whatever you call it back right, online. Right, right. And I have, a, I have an article here actually mentioning uh, JCP and L, specifically one of the utilities here in New Jersey. And it says they needed to raise $31.5 million to offset the costs it incurred um, from Irene like another another storm and and others and it's just crazy how much money this stuff costs to fix the grid and you know at the end of the day they're a for-profit business how do they make that money by charging the customers by charging everyone who needs their power of course and that's and that's just from one storm mm-hmm. so and not every storm is uh, as bad as that but even if it's just 10 million. 10 million here. And it says it here, even for Sandy specifically, it says 345 million for Sandy. Go. Yeah, so. Insane. Of course. And, but, so what do they do? They just have to go in front of the BPU board, say, hey, listen, we had to spend 34 million on Irene, over 300 million for Sandy. That means that we have to raise the rates by X. Right, I and mean, that's I got that right here too. There's another one I got pulled up. This one's from NewJersey.com. It actually says uh, from 2020, JCPNL wants to raise your bill by over eight percent from storm damage that happened over the past year. Eight percent—that's a lot of money for for people. Well, that and really, I can't think of a bad storm that we've had over the past year. Not on the level of a Sandy, obviously. Not on the level of like an Irene, and they still need to raise their rates. Right. 8%. And it's because of the storms. It's also because they have to pay their guys. They have to just give them raises. They have to give them benefits, which I'm all for. Um, But at what point does uh, a homeowner say, there's got to be a better option out here? Um, And that's what we see every day. Right, right. Did you want to talk about um, blackout areas and, you know, how that affects people in the utility going solar and transformer upgrades at all? Because that kind of plays into it, too. Right. It uh, just plays into where they kind of call the shots, right? They Mm -hmm. make the rules. Uh, So what a blackout area is, it's um, a certain area that all feeds off of the same transformer. And... When somebody wants to go solar, that's in just one of those areas, we go through the process, we submit the application to the utility, and then they bounce it back and they send us an email that goes over to the homeowner too and says, sorry, you can't go solar. 
So we'll see you next month with a high bill, right? Yeah. That's kind of what it is. And when you ask for a sort of an explanation, it all goes back to, well, the transformer that services that area can't uh, handle the backfeed that like would happen when someone goes solar. Which, who knows if that's the case or not. They might be picking and choosing. Right. Right. It could be a case where maybe they already have enough solar customers on their grid that they just don't need anymore. Because when people have solar, it's kind of taking away from their electric bills so that utilities not making as much money. So maybe that's part of it. And so, yeah, I, I that definitely could be a situation. I also, you know, where we see these uh, just blackout areas are in southern Jersey. Most of southern Jersey is serviced by Atlantic City Electric to ACE. And it just so happens that, you know, uh, their bill is very robust, very uh, just confusing. So just not only is that where we see 99 just percent of these blackout areas, but they also have a charge on their bill, which is called a societal benefits charge. And then so when you will ask what that is, it's basically somebody paying for the for the people that have went solar already, um, which is mind-boggling, right? Yeah. It's, it's a way for them to make up maybe a little bit of that lost revenue that right. they see from just losing customers yeah, that and go solar. I would assume a lot of homeowners aren't even aware that they're paying that. You know how many people just have their electric bill and just pay it? You know, they don't look at that stuff. And and to be fair, I don't look at that stuff all the time either. You know, it's like the small fine print details. Uh, You don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes, but they're already paying for solar. Yep. I never, I mean, I never looked at my bill before I started working in the industry. Right. I mean, it's just common, you know? Right. Who, I mean, because again, what is the alternative? You're stuck. There is none. So you pay it. And then you keep your lights on or you don't pay it and then your lights get shut off. And yeah, I'd rather, you know, everyone picks option A. Right, right. I mean, utility is unique business to, to say the least uh, in that realm. Yes, 100%. Um, now kind of transferring over, I think we're ready now to kind of get into the specifics of the electric bill. Whoever you're with, whether that be Rockland Electric, PSENG, JCPNL, or ACE, uh, we're going to go over some of the basics of what we're looking at at the bill that kind of you'll see across the board between all of them and kind of explain that so you can understand it at a, at a base level uh, before you go solar and kind of understanding how maybe the usage fits into to what your solar system might look like, your design, you know, how many panels you might need, the system size and things like that. Sure. And maybe even like the, the usage history and how you use power is different from everyone else on the block. You know, maybe you're someone who uses a lot more power in the summertime where your neighbor's the opposite. Yeah, of course. And that just really just depends on what's in your house. Um, do you have central air? Do you have baseboard heat? Um, that's all going to play a factor. So to kind of just start off, um, they make sure to really put in big font and in uh, bold how much you owe. That that they want to be perfectly transparent on. They want to say, hey, you owe us $350. Right. Everything else is kind of in a smaller font. So um, what you'll find is obviously on the top or on the first page of the bill is just what you owe. You'll find the name of the bill holder and also uh, the dates of the billing period, which in most cases is about a month. Um, as you dig a little deeper, you'll see how many kilowatt hours a home used for that billing period. They're very specific here. Um, so down to the number, down to the number. So, and the other thing though, sorry to cut you off, but the other thing with that too is sometimes that number is estimated. Yes. And, and. You know, it's sometimes it's a real reading from the meter, and occasionally they may not go out on site and read it, so it's an estimated number. And there's a possibility that that number, that bill you pay, is is an estimated bill. And and you know that gets into other things with you know them paying you back the difference if they were wrong, 
but that's just another thing to remember too is um that part of the bill when you look at the number itself it's it's either an actual reading or it's an estimated reading yeah now um the only so PSE&G and JCPNL they will put either when you're looking at like your usage history so what um so Brandon uh, is um, just touching on is on every bill there is a bar graph of some sort for JCP now because the bill is only just a one single page it's on the bottom left uh, like for Ace it's on the first page in the upper right and for just PSE and G uh, it's on the electrical page uh, because some of their customers also get their natural gas from them. So regardless, it breaks down just typically either the last 12 or 13 months of how much electricity uh, just you used, and it's uh, just represented by a bar graph. Um, so what we do with that information, and that is the information that we need. So when we speak to someone who has an interest in going solar and just we ask for their bill, that's why, because we want to see how much electricity they need to run their home in the lifestyle that they want to run it. We're not in the business to change anybody's lifestyle, right? So if you like in the summertime for it to be 62 in the house, great, all right? Um, but we need to know that. So the first thing that we do is we break down that bar graph. JCPNL makes it very easy. They will put the exact kilowatt number right underneath the bar graph for how much electricity that was used over the last 12 months. Makes our job a lot easier. Mm. Uh, ACE will break it down through that bar graph, right? But they will give you the total. The one that makes you work for it is PSE&G. They will give you your daily average use for that month. So let's just say for January, it was 32 kilowatts daily. Well, what we would have to do is take 32 times the days in the month that are in January, 31, and then that's we'll get our monthly use. We take that whole number and then we send that over to the design team. And our just goal is to always to build a system that is going to generate as much of that number as we possibly can because that's another thing that we're bound by the utility is going to bounce back any solar project that is going to generate more power than what is shown to be used by that homeowner on their bill so if we break it down and if we see that over the last 12 months that they've used 12,000 kilowatt hours. If we want to build a system that's going to generate 13,000, they're going to bounce that back, even if they have the space for it. Um, so uh, once we get past that, and once we see how big of a system that we can do, now it comes down to, okay, what are the financials behind this solar system? And the first thing that we want to do is to find out what is your current situation? And so when we look at the bill, there's um, three main charges that all go into the total that is due. The first one being a flat charge. Um, this in no way is going to change based upon how, mu how much electricity that was used during that month, and that's the customer charge. Uh, Only so a few bucks, usually like 2 or 3 or $5 or something like that. Exactly. But it's right? unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Because you have to be hooked up to the grid still if you want to use their services. Yeah. So with JCPNL, it's about $3. PSE&G is 5 uh, Ace, for some reason, they can fluctuate for as low as $3 to as high as $6, $7. Um, but that's just their way of saying thank you for choosing to buy your power from your local like utility. Right. Which is a joke, Brandon. Laugh, right. please. Because obviously they didn't get the choice to... Uh, buy their power from them. Um, that's okay. Um, so the uh, so the other two, they have a direct correlation with how much electricity that was used that month. The first one being 
a delivery charge. So simply put, this is a charge that the utility passes down to send the power through the grid system that we talk about. Yep. Um, it's a grid that they own, by the way, that you're going to pay for if they ever have to fix, but you're also going to pay for when they just need to perform one of their basic functions as a business and send you power. Such as delivering the electricity. Such as just getting the power to your house. Listen, uh, so what I think, anything more than zero doesn't make sense. Because that's like if you were to order uh, just pizza from your local favorite, just pizza John, right? Yeah. And the pizza costs 15 bucks. The guy just gets to your house and he says, oh, no, it's 25 plus a tip. You're like, wait a minute. I thought the pizza is just 15. Yeah, but because I had to drive here. You right. Give me money. It's like, well, no, that's just a service you offer, right? Like, right, right. So... And, and again, it's not like we're having an individual knock on your door like with a bucket of electricity. It's <laughs> being sent to you through uh, a just grid that is that has been built for just decades. Yeah, it's already set up, essentially. It's already like, set they're up. not really doing any extra work, but they're charging you for it. Exactly. Um, so that's all based upon how many just kilowatt hours that, that you pull. So they have a set rate. Uh, say it's six cents a kilowatt most homes on average are using about a thousand a month so just right there that's 60 bucks um then the third charge is the generation or the supply charge and again that's a charge that they're passing down to generate their power and as you said brandon fossil fuels right uh coal uh gas we in new jersey also get uh a bunch from Nuclear power, uh, that tends to be higher than the delivery charge. So typically, uh, PSC&G, so we got a bill here, right? So I'm looking at the delivery charge. Well, I'm curious too, you know, what are the different rates between the different utilities? Yeah. Because there is a difference between the, you know, if you're a JCP&L customer versus PSC&G and just the fact that you can't control which customer you are and they play, they pay different rates. Yes. So- we see a little bit of a uniform rate from PSEG and Atlantic City Electric. Uh, so that could, right now, that's really hovering anywhere between 18 and a half to 20 cents per kilowatt hour. Where we see the discrepancy, and I think this is what we'll uh, just touch on a little bit now, is with JCPNL. So JCP now we're seeing coming in at about 14 and a half cents, about four cents lower than the other two. Might not sound like a lot, but when you're on average using a thousand just kilowatt hours a, like a month, that's 40 bucks right there a month. That's about 500 bucks a year, not chump change. Yeah. Uh, I we, mean, potentially to cover the that 34 or $345 million cost after the storm. Sure. Um, what we've seen, too, is that just from a just PR uh, uh, point, because JCPNL tends to service a lot of the shore area, uh, that was what uh, like was hit hardest by Sandy. And so the last thing that they wanted to do as uh, just homeowners were, you know, left like without a home or left with a higher... Uh, rate of uh, homeowners insurance cost. The last thing they wanted to do was to raise rates. So regardless of that, um, that's going to change, right? Because you have something that I think you showed me earlier, uh, or we spoke about earlier. They're going to raise rates by just eight percent because of a few uh, just winter storms, right? So they're they're right. going to come up fast and furious, and it wouldn't surprise me that. Um, if they're soon on the same level as a uh, just PSCG and uh, Ace, right, right, and that, and that's as as a homeowner, as someone who has to pay your electric bill no matter what, you're stuck with whatever they charge. So you know, if you're someone who's who's with PSCG, like you're stuck paying their sixteen, seventeen, eighteen cent rate, 
where if you just happen to be a JCP&L customer, you could potentially be paying a little bit less. Um, or in the next couple of months, they'll raise their rates anyway and be the same. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not to like, we're not like trying to paint the utility as like this evil entity per se, but we just want to share the truth of the matter that, you know, they are for profit and they are different across the board. So it's just kind of important to know these, these little details. It is. Especially uh, if you're going solar too. Especially that. And yeah, like again, right? We work every day with all of the utilities. Um, and uh, so like, we do have a good relationship. But just like you said, these are just things uh, that everybody should know whether or not they go solar or not. But I think once they do know them and they kind of understand the functionality behind it, it kind of just makes it where maybe they were saying, I'll never go solar. Now it's more of, well, why not? Right. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you? Um, If you can take every variable off of the table, because you're not going to get a phone call from the utility, like with an offer to lock in your rate for the next 25 years, you're not, uh, if you did get that phone call and they said, hey, listen, you don't have to give us a single dime. We're going to lock your rate in for the next 25 years. So how does that sound? Is there anybody that would say no to that? No. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. <laughs> as long as it's at a good rate, you know? Of course. That, that sounds good to me. And so that's what... Um, so Gen Renew and Solar, uh, that is the exact offer that we have on the table. So then you're probably asking yourself out there, well, Tom, you know, so why don't I see solar on every home? And it's a couple things. One, not it. One being not every home qualifies. You have to have a roof facing in the right direction. No shade. So your credit has to be on the better side. But also for even homes that do qualify. Change is a scary thing for people. Um, you know, say everybody started off by having solar, and then all of a sudden there was somebody who then wanted to put so a meter on the side of your house and put like a wooden pole in your front yard with so a black uh, just cable going from the pole that is close to the street onto the meter that's on the side of your house. Most people would probably be like, no, I don't want that because what I have now is just working fine. But when it comes down to it, all solar is just really doing is you're just generating your power in a different way, which, you know, again, um, you're going to go over to your light switch. You're going to pop it on. It's going to work the same way. Everything in your house is not going to change. As I said, the way your power is generated and the manner in which you pay for it. If, as opposed to writing the four letters JCP&L on your check and say your average bill is 300 bucks a month, you're now going to be just changing the name on the check and changing those uh, numbers to a substantially lower number that is not going to change over 25 years. And also with the, you know, referencing back to the utility as well is there's also a limit with like certain usage profiles. Like if you don't use enough power from the grid in the first place, maybe you won't be able to go solar because of that. You know, like certain people under certain system sizes, certain usages if it's not high enough, then you can't go for that reason. Um, and maybe on the opposite end, is, it, is that an issue on the opposite end where maybe they use too much and you can't, you know, you might be limited by roof space at that point. That that really is the only thing that would hold us back. When someone uh, uses a boatload of electricity, there's only so much viable space on the roof that we can use. Mm-hmm. Um as far as the low end goes, look, um, solar only makes sense when you use a certain amount of electricity. It's not a lot either, 
I said uh, just before, the average home family of four, they're going to use somewhere between ten to 12,000 um, kilowatt hours annually. For solar to make sense for someone, you got to be using at least 3,500 for the year. Right, you're not going to see like two kilowatt systems put up. It's it just doesn't make financial sense at that point um, for the company or for the homeowner. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're already if your bill is only like thirty bucks a month or less, like maybe we can knock it down to twenty eight. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's already a solid deal. You know, it's like better off reducing your rent or something. You know. Right. Right. Whatever it is. Can you talk about, you know, estimating the right design based off of the bill and how is that done correctly? Yeah. So, uh, just luckily, uh, I'm not in charge of this cause it's a very technical process. Um, we have a whole, uh, just team here that they use a software called Aurora by far the most accurate solar generation software that's on the market. Uh, not, uh, not in use by every solar company, by the way, because it's expensive. We feel though that it's money well spent because it takes into account weather patterns going past 50 years, uh, takes into account the way the roof faces South is the best. We can also work on a East and a West facing roof takes into account the slant of the roof or the pitch. Um, the steeper the pitch, the um, less solar viable that it is because then it's only going to get sunlight when the sun is in a certain spot. Um, and also it uses LiDAR technology, which uh, simply put the way that I uh, just understand it, is it just uses sonar that is being sent out from the satellites in the sky, and it can tell uh, the height of the structure of the home, uh, any structures that are surrounding the home, any trees that are around the home, just so then uh, just we can accurately measure shade. That would be cost. And that's kind of a benefit of using that is like, you know, site survey purposes. You don't have to have a technician banging around on the roof for an hour and a half trying to map out the panels and like measure every part of the roof um, because we have Aurora in the design process where we can see all of that basically through a computer program. Absolutely. And it, you know, takes about at least a week or two off of the timeline from the customer's end. They're going to get their system installed that much sooner because we don't need to send a technician out to get their boots on the roof, to take sun eyes, um, and then get that data back in the office, have someone to analyze it. The software does all that for us. Right, right. That's huge. I, I Before I worked here, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought you always had to have someone on site measuring the roof, the pitch specifically, or else it wouldn't be accurate. But just the fact that it is that accurate is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it is a plus um, just for the consultants on that side of things because when we're uh, going through the benefits of going solar, the backbone of the whole financial benefit is how much electricity is this system going to generate? So when so we're there uh, on the first um, just consultation and we have a number and if that number, just to throw out an example, say this system's going to generate 10,000 kilowatts hours for the year. If it doesn't, if it generates less than that, that customer, one, is going to feel misled, have a bad taste in their mouth, but it's also going to um, greatly alter the financial side of things. That means now that they have to buy extra power from off of the grid that's at a much higher rate, which then takes away from the saving side of things. We know that each one of the customers that was, when we put a system on their roof, we stand behind 
the production numbers. I mean, that's why it's good to come in with a conservative proposal because you're lo- you're essentially looking out for the customer in the long run. You know, we're not going to try to give them something that's misleading and shows higher production, even though it maybe looks better. Maybe even it potentially can produce that, but it didn't take into effect the shading or the pitch of the roof or the orientation. And like all those things really matter and how they come together to give you an accurate depiction of the production is, is huge. And that's also based off of that usage graph that you see when you look at your uh, bill. Absolutely. Yep. hundred percent. And I've seen all of the, uh, uh, just, uh, the drawbacks that you just kind of went through, uh, with other solar companies because they don't have that software where they're throwing a unrealistic, uh, just production number out there. Right. Like it's a smaller system. So therefore it's cheaper for you. And look, it'll happen to produce a little bit more. When reality, they didn't take into account these other factors of the pitch and possibly shading or whatever it is. Absolutely. How often do you see that? More than we should. Uh, But these are, um, they're not in it for the long run. We want uh, one job to turn into five, 10, 15. We live and die off of uh, just marketing through our customers. Our customers are our best ambassadors. So that that accurate proposal of that design just has to be that way or else you won't have that success moving forward with more customers and hopefully happy customers. Absolutely. Right. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, when I talk to customers all the time, it always comes back to, you know, if they have questions about their bill and their production, it always comes back to their usage history. Um, it's just so key because... If you change your usage history, that changes things because, you know, we're able to put the panels on your roof, but we didn't tell you how to use your power. And if you decide to throw on the AC in the wintertime or whatever it is, like maybe you maybe you get a pool and that's, you know, electrically heated. Well, we can't control those things. And that affects uh, your bill. And, you know. If you do that before you go solar, we're able to take that into account. That's why a lot of people, when they call in, they're like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about getting an electric vehicle and things like that. Well, we have to take that into account when we design your system. We have to look at your usage and verify that with the utility. Yeah. So, like, we just can't take their uh, word for it, right? I'm buying an electric vehicle. Okay, we'll make your system that much bigger. They need to show the proof of purchase. Right. And that's the utilities requirement. We're not just saying that. Like, the utility says you have to prove this to us that you actually use this much power. Yes. Because if you don't, like, they're not going to approve it, and then we can't build a system that really you need. And then you go back to the bottom of the pile, uh, and then it just increases the timeline, which we don't want to do. Right. Yeah, so that's crucial, too. So the only thing, and we briefly mentioned it, was the deregulation of electricity here in New Jersey. So I mentioned the three separate charges, right? The customer charge, the delivery charge, and the generation charge. Right. Well, uh, just customers do have the option to use a third-party supplier for the generation side of things. So there's hundreds of them out there. I'm sure you've gotten phone calls from them. You've oh yeah gotten stuff in the mail. A lot from of them. them out of state too. Most of them, yeah, they're um, nationwide, right? Right. And it's and it's under the guise too of like sometimes it's like clean energy and you know it's it's from wind farms out in the Midwest, which yep. maybe could be the case. But it's it's a very different uh, setup than you know going solar. So maybe talk about that and how they're different. It is okay. So let me just say this: uh, in no way am I bashing third parties. The only thing that I'm saying is that if you do decide to go with one, as I said earlier, most of the people don't look at their bill. If you go go with a third party, you have to look at your bill every single month. This is how it works. You get a phone call from Acme Energy. They want to sell you deregulated power uh, at a reduced rate. Okay, so what do I have to do? Do I have to pay anything? No, you don't. 
oh, all right, so this sounds just pretty good. All right, so let's say that you're paying $0.12 cents, uh, from uh, just PSENG for the delivery side. They're going to lower it to 11 and a half, maybe, 11. All right, so if you're using 1,000 kilowatt hours a month, you'll save 10 bucks a month, yeah, 50 and, uh, bucks a month. Off the top, it sounds like a pretty solid deal. Yep. Now, they'll usually lock you in a term. That could be six months. I haven't seen it anything longer than 12 months. Now, once that term runs out, they go to what's called a variable rate. And um, do you think like the variable rate goes down from what they signed for, Brandon, or do you think it goes up? Definitely goes up. Yeah, it definitely goes up, right? So I have walked into homes where they'll say, I've been with this third party ever since I set foot in this house. Oh, yeah? So when was that? Um, so five years ago. I look at their bill, and they're paying sometimes double, triple through this third party than if they were just buying their power from the utility. That was the case with one of my relatives. They were looking into going solar, and they were, I think they were with JCP&L as their, their main utility, but they were with a third party as well for the generation. I think they were charging her 22 or 24 cents for getting it there very possible i have seen rates that high really high and that's not even factoring again the delivery charge now so that's not your total all-in cost for kilowatt so again average in uh just pse and g is about 19 cents on a thousand kilowatt hours that's 190 dollars in that situation that you just went over they're probably playing 30 cents now for those same thousand kilowatts you're paying $300. Right. So that big difference, that rate, that variable rate that they hopefully don't have, but a lot of them do have it with the third parties, that variable rate is crucial because it's probably going to go up. They all have it. And so that's why you need to make sure that if you're going to be with one, you need to lock into a new term uh, just before the, the term that like you're in is up. Right. Don't let it expire because they're not going to notify you. Um, you have to make sure that you stay on top of it. And you'll see it on your bill too, but you'll have to kind of look at the fine print because it'll say in that specific fine print line, it'll say from that third-party energy, it'll have the name there. Yeah. So you can look at your bill and tell right now if you're with someone or not or just with JCP&L or just PSE&G. You absolutely can. And what's also on the bill is they always will put, and they do make a big deal out of this, usually it's in a bold font, what is your price to compare? Um, so if you see that you're with a third party and you see what they're charging you on a price per kilowatt, you can see, okay, if I wasn't with this third party, what then would it be from the utility? And if the one from the utility is just lower, well, then you know what needs to be done. Right. Right. Very true. I think that's pretty much the basis of it. I mean, you got your your generation charge um, and then you have the delivery charge, which is a large portion of that final bill and that regular service charge that they have a couple dollars, three, four five, whatever it is, just to be a part of that utility. And, and that's pretty much it, right? Yes, pretty much. Um, other than the fact that it always goes up and you don't know what your bill is going to be. Those are pretty, the, the, those three things are the things that you can count on. One thing we didn't mention that's actually crucial. A lot of people, when they buy new houses, they don't have that usage history. They don't have that past of what they actually use in that said house. So talk about load calcs and what that is for solar. Sure. So uh, as we said earlier, the size of your solar system that is going to be installed on your house uh, is first bound by how much electricity that you need, which is just represented on that 12-month bar graph. graph that's on every bill. Right Now, obviously, when you have less than 12 months, what happens? Well, I know one thing, the utility won't accept it unless you have something that's called a load calc, right? Yep, and it's a pretty simple document. 
It just goes through uh, the common appliances that are in every home. So coffee makers, garbage disposals, they have everything on there, right? Also comes down to the bigger items. Um, central air, so condensers, um, just televisions, like you name it. And you simply have to fill out how many of those things you have. Um, and then what it does is, is it spits out a um, just usage number. Also, they will uh, uh, factor in the square footage of just someone's home. But it'll spit out what they expect you to use uh, throughout the whole just 12 months. So I would use that along with what like you've used so far. And then if there and then if you do anticipate anything to change, um, make sure that you let the uh, consultant know because that's actually a good thing about having less than 12 months is you know we do have some flexibility on system size. Maybe someone is getting a electric vehicle. How does that work with the load calc? It's just factored in. It's just factored in. I think that's everything. I, I thought that was a, a great kind of overview of the bill. One last thing to touch on with the bill too is like um, why we need it is it shows uh, your meter number. So we can't link it to your house, you know, for solar if we don't have your, your meter yeah. number. So Yeah. So like we just want to make sure that we uh, just put solar on the right house. Right. We don't want to go into <laughs> Johnny down the street or whoever it yeah. is. So, um, so the guys will just make sure that, okay, the, the uh, just meter number that's on the bill is in fact the meter number that is on this house that we're about to install. Right, right. I know sometimes 50 solar panels. Customers get uh, sometimes they're like uh, confused. Like, why do you, why do you want to see my bill? Like, isn't that personal information? And we do. Be- here's- besides the things we just talked about, it's like the only thing we can do is just pay your bill for you if we have that information. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, they're always like, I don't want to send you my bill, and um, well, okay, so what's on your bill? It's your first and last name. Right. I know that it's like your address. I know that. And as you said, the worst thing we could do is just pay it. Right. Right. Well, thank you again for, for stopping over. I appreciate it. Tom. Of course. Now I got a long walk back to my office. Um, let me see what the, what like the flight schedule is. Maybe. Yeah. Have you, have you checked the weather? Is it going to rain? <sighs> I hope not. Cool. All right, people. Uh, I hope to talk to you soon, but I'm sure you'll get to meet the rest of the Jenner new family. Uh, as uh, just Brandon uh, just leads you on the journey of just learning more about uh, just renewables yeah. uh, and about Gen Renew. Peace out. Yeah, thank you again for listening. Um, again, a lot more topics to, to cover in the future here. I don't know specifically what the next episode is, but I bet you it's going to be good and going to be cool. So make sure you listen. Peace.